I've experienced Park Run changing my life, my family's life, in ways that I never thought it, it would. And, and there are some incredibly moving uh, stories across our channels of, of the ways in which people talk about Park Run, uh, not just improving lives, but saving lives. Hello and welcome to Run the Business, the podcast that explores the place where running and leadership come together. We'll find out how running can help us with leading, connecting with people and generally being better in business. We'll also try and answer that question, do runners make better leaders? I'm Anthony Gay and today I'm joined by someone who heads up a truly global phenomenon. Yes, he has a background in marketing, communications, leadership and business development, but you might know him as the CEO of Park Run Global. Park Run is, of course, the weekly free 5K runner walk that has energized, connected, and transformed the lives of millions of people in 20-something countries around six continents. Russ Jeffries, welcome to Run the Business. Hello, Ants. Thanks for that warm welcome. It's great to be here. How are you today, Russ? Yeah, doing fine. Uh, thank you. Yeah, in the office uh, in Richmond, which I, I, I get into a couple of times a week. So it's always a, a great day to be amongst the team and in the office here. Okay, well, firstly, thank you. Uh, thank you for being part of that team that brings Park Run to the masses. And I mean this as a, as a Park Runner myself. Truly amazing event, amazing experience. Uh, I'll say it's personally changed my attitude to running, to fitness, and the sense of community that goes with it. I must big up my local Wilmslow Park Run as well. They, they I think, embody everything that Park Run is about. So start by telling me a little bit about your journey and how you got to the point now where you are, are leading that Park Run team. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, firstly, thanks for, for uh, saying those things about Park Run. I feel like I'm absolutely standing on the shoulders of giants here. It's, um, I, there's, a, there's only a very small fraction of it that I can really take credit for. Um, uh, but it is an absolute privilege, obviously, to be in this position now and, and leading the organization for this next chapter. I guess my, uh, my relationship with Park Run started something like 10 or 11 years ago and probably really similar to most people's experience with Park Run. I, I went along to my local event in Reading at the time uh, in Berkshire and went along to participate with, in fact, my wife was doing Brighton Marathon that year or the, or the next year, I forget, and within the training plan for the Brighton Marathon that she'd had, just the official training plan, I think it was, it suggested every Saturday go and do a park run. And we'd, we'd never heard of it. We didn't, didn't know what it was. This was um, 2011. And, uh, you know, we were uh, in our 20s at the time, newly married, you know, busy lives, but Jess really wanted to do this marathon. So one of those Saturdays, we, we went along to our local event and loved it. But at the time we were, um, in the process of, of moving our lives. So, so with Jess's work, we were in the process of moving out to Australia. And so we never, we never went back. We, we just got busy with those preparations and, and everything that we needed to do to move. And then it wasn't until we landed, we'd moved to Canberra, um, in Australia in January, 2012. And it wasn't until we got there that that sort of connection or that, that love affair, if you like, with, with Park Run really grew um, and was rekindled. And actually that was, it was interesting because I didn't really, I didn't understand it at the time. I didn't realize what was happening at the time. Um, but for all of the reasons now that we advocate for Park Run being such a powerful force for good, for connecting communities and, and creating lifelong friendships and families, that's exactly what we experienced um, in Canberra. So We'd landed in the January, my wife started work straight away. I didn't have a, a job to go to immediately. So whilst I was looking for work, I started looking around at ways that we could, maybe I could put my skills to good use, but also that we could meet new people. We didn't know anyone in Canberra at the time. And so, um, I, I reflected and thought, you know, I'd worked in the sports industry and events for a long time, remembered our experience at Park Run, and I'd heard a little bit more about it since. So just got in touch with the team then that had only recently brought Park Run over to Australia and asked how, how you set up an event, uh, what was involved, could I do it? Uh, and then within a, within a couple of months, we had, uh, we'd established an event in Belconnen uh, in the northern part of Canberra. And mm -hmm. from there, we never looked back. I mean, instantly it transformed our lives. You know, we had a community around us, a, a growing group of friends, many of whom are, you know, still you know, friends to this day, um, we keep in touch with, we, we form those close bonds and it, and it absolutely transformed our, our stay in the country. And I think had it not been for that, it would have looked and felt very, very different. 
Yeah, and, and from there, my, uh, my involvement really was as a volunteer. I got to know the organization. It was pretty small in Australia at the time, pretty small globally at the time, actually. But through that, I got to know the founder, Paul, and uh, gradually just started doing more and more from a, using my skills and experience from a commercial point of view, sponsorship, marketing, communications. Until in uh, 2015, when we were ready to move back, Paul asked me to join as a, a member of staff heading up the communications team. And at what point had you started to notice the potential of the event to be the force that it, you know, that it's become? How early on did you see that? I, I think it was in those early days of um, establishing an event for ourselves. So being event directors, you could just see the power of it. And, and every week, really quickly, actually, really early on, people were coming up to us saying, this is amazing. Thank you so much for bringing this to our city. We were welcomed with open arms. People were telling us, sharing their stories of how it had, you know, truly transformed their lives, got them out of some pretty dark places or transformed their health got them back into physical activity or running, whatever it might be. And I think at the same time, we were, we were having those same experiences. So we were feeling that as well. And I really got into uh, running at that time as well, where I, I'd sort of dabbled with it previously. I've always been sporty. I've always loved being outside and playing sport, but I would never have considered myself a runner uh, before that point, but really got into it. And it wasn't hard to notice the change in our lives. Um, and that was being you know, reflected back to us in the stories that, that all of the people around us were sharing with us too. So, so were you a runner before you started doing park run or did, did you truly consider yourself a runner at that point when you, when you began doing it? When we began doing it really. So I, I did the London marathon in 2010. Um, and I, I, I just had this, I, I, I'd wanted to do a marathon. I managed to get in through the ballot. Um, I, I didn't do anywhere near enough training um, and I really struggled round. And, and having finished the London Marathon, I really thought that's it. I'm not, you know, I've got no aspiration to do it again. You know, I've, I've ticked that box, happy days, y you know, job done. Um, uh, and then I sort of dabbled with, you know, the odd 10K or half marathon, but, but, but really not much. I never had a running club background or I was never in the athletics uh, team at school. I, I, I played an awful lot of sport. I really feel quite fortunate that I had such a positive relationship with physical activity and sport from a really young age. I was, you know, you'd always find me outside, you know, recreating the, uh, the goals from the FA cup final at half time and, uh, or out my bike and those sorts of things and yeah. just loved it. But, um, but never really considered myself a runner at all. I was probably more into team sports. Um, but then when we, um, when we became event directors of that event in Canberra, um, a couple of things happened. I think you become, when you, when you, um, start something like that, when you, when you are the event director, you, you become a bit of a, uh, sort of a focal point. Um, uh, and at the end of the event, you know, we'd be having coffee afterwards, we'd be processing the results and, and the big group of people around us, group of friends catching up and quite quickly. Um, I got to know a guy called Marty Dent, who was Australian Olympic marathon runner. He was selected for the 2012 games in London. Um, in fact, lots of the, um, Aussie distance runners seem to be based in Canberra. I don't know if that was because of the, it's the home of the Australian Institute for sport or, you know, just it, it's a good place to work and train. I'm not sure, but anyway, Marty was there and, um, I think he, he perhaps thought I was a, a better runner than I was at the time. And, um. It just being the lovely, friendly guy he is, he, he invited me along to his lunchtime runs that he would do with his, um, his friends and work colleagues, um, <laughs> which I agreed to, I agreed to go along and, and, and like I knew he, I knew his pedigree, I knew who he was and I didn't have any, um, uh, any idea or intention of being able to keep up with him, but I just thought what an amazing invite. And if nothing else, uh, you know, it'd be, uh, yeah. you know, uh, a, a friendship, um, and, and, uh, someone to me, you know, during the workday, by that point, I'd started working for an advertising agency and, and Marty worked in the civil service, but our buildings were next door. So it was very easy to meet up, but that was transformative for me because it, it showed me the discipline that you need uh, to train if you want to improve and what was possible by really applying yourself, um, and really, you know, creating a plan, keeping yourself honest by committing to those training runs with your friends, you know, not breaking those commitments and where I remember it so clearly now where 
you know, the Monday lunchtime runs for them would be a, an easy run after some crazy long run the day before. And so they'd be doing 10 or 12 kilometers around the lake in Canberra. They'd be doing it at sort of four minute, 20 per, per kilometer pace. And that was an easy run for them, but that was pretty much flat out for me. But I forced myself to do it and, and they were so welcoming and accommodating. They didn't mind me uh, hanging on, even though there was a clear difference in our capability and ability. But it taught me so much and, and rapidly I improved um, uh, and took those lessons with me and, and then started seriously thinking about, you know, the events that I would do and were surrounded by people who were entering, you know, trail races or half marathons and marathons. And over the course of a few years in uh, Australia, I entered a few more marathons and, and my time just improved drastically. But were it not for the, the sort of sliding doors moment, if you like, of, of us starting the event, getting to know Marty, falling into that crowd, learning a lot more about it, being prepared to learn and being curious about what, what does it take and, you know, how hard can I push myself and how far could I go? Then I just don't think any of those things would have happened. It would have been an entirely different experience. And when did you start to notice the impact of, of that fitness and, and running on, on your life and specifically business? Because you're in the business of running now, but I guess the things you were doing weren't directly connected with, with running at the time. But how, how, did your, how did your business game improve at that point? I don't know. I think certainly life did. So I think just, just that underlying feeling of being fit and healthy. It's not that I was necessarily coming from a place of being unfit and unhealthy, but, um, we, and, and, and maybe I didn't really notice this at the time, but on reflection, thinking about that period and, you know, we would, um, we'd gone out there to, to, to live for a few years and to travel, to make the most of that opportunity as many people do. Um, and we would explore the country and in doing so, you know, if there happened to be a 10k race or a half marathon on that weekend we wouldn't think twice about entering it because by that point we'd build this sort of base level of fitness and and i look back now and that feels like a long way away now <laughs> a long time ago but that was amazing because there was a we just felt invincible we just felt you know it, it was great you know the that feeling of being able to just rock up and uh, and perform i'm not sure necessarily i saw any direct sort of knock-on effects if you like for for business other than maybe the kind of network effects and the people that I would meet. Um, and that was good from a, a new business perspective. Mm -hmm. And people were, were fascinated by the park run story, albeit this was sort of 2012, 2013. It was a lot smaller than it is now, but still there was something that was happening and, and people were starting to sit up and take notice and they were interested in the concept and, and, and clearly people were seeing the benefit of a free activity that was good for individuals, good for communities and supporting health and, and well-being. I'm not sure if at that point I necessarily saw that it was um, contributing to any success in, in business, but I do clearly remember a conversation with, with Jess at the time um, around, you know, who knows what the future holds, but wouldn't Parkrun be an incredible place to work? You know, wouldn't it be a, a wonderful opportunity and privilege to work for this organization sometime? Don't know how that's going to happen, but, um, but that was, mm. that was not even in the back of my mind. That was probably in the middle of my mind at that point. Um, even then. Are there any of those early runs that you, you mentioned that stick out that you could recall some special run, special moments that you did on that trip? I mean, there's a lot. Um, I remember, a, a trail half marathon into the North of, um, Canberra, a town called Wagga Wagga. Um, and, uh, I probably maybe this was 2013 or something like that. And just one of those days that was amazing from start to finish. And like I said, I've got no real pedigree in, in, in running, never did have, um, but somehow managed to come third in that race. And like, I, I mean, it surpassed all of my wildest expectations. And, uh, <laughs> did you get a medal? Yeah. It felt like I'd won Olympic bronze, um, which was, which was just extraordinary. And then I, I built on from that and, um, and really sort of, um, trained as hard as I possibly could. Um, I forget which year it was. It must've been 2014. I did the Gold Coast marathon. Um, and in the back of my mind, I, I, I wondered if a sub three hour marathon was possible. I didn't necessarily expect it, but I wondered, uh, and I did, I just had an amazing day and, and just snuck in 259.54. Um, and, uh, wow. 
I think it's moments like that. You just think that you get such a high, such an incredible rush of uh, endorphin, I guess it is and positivity. And, uh, uh, it really, I don't know, hit home to me that actually it is possible to, you know, if you push really hard, if you, if you are really focused on achieving something and if you give it the, the time and dedication that it needs, then actually you can achieve some pretty extraordinary things. And, you know, there's sub three is, um, there's plenty of people running sub three, but to me at the time, it, it felt like an, an amazing achievement. And if you'd asked me, you know, after the 2010 London marathon, where I'd struggled around in four hours, 20, um, if I'd ever thought it would be possible for me to run sub three, I'd, I'd have, you know, said you were joking, no chance at all. That's amazing. Uh, and, and can you, I mean, obviously you, you worked and, and did more running, you improved, but is it, can, can you put it down to a specific thing that, that changed or, or was it just a number of, you know, general factors that you worked on? I think being, being within that group, Marty's uh, running group definitely made a big difference because they, they taught me so much and they opened my eyes to, I guess, the, the discipline of training and some specific sessions and, and actually how enjoyable it's do it is to do that in a group setting. So it doesn't necessarily have to be an individual pursuit. Mm. Undoubtedly that helps. Um, but I think I've always been hugely competitive. I've always had to win. I don't necessarily see those things as positives, but it's, but I've always been massively driven and prepared to go pretty deep. Um, and you know, I think that's, yeah, as I say, it's, it's perhaps both, both a positive and a negative at times. And, mm. and I've definitely applied that to work situations as well, but I'm not afraid of working hard, um, to achieve the goals that I want to. And I set pretty high standards for myself. So I think it's probably a combination of all of those things that meant that I was prepared to, and motivated to push myself as hard as I possibly could, uh, to achieve what I wanted to. And that's both from a, a running perspective. Um, but also from a, a work perspective too. So, so on work, you've Russ, you've worked at Parkrun or been around Parkrun for many years as well, but you only became CEO last year. So how, how has the last 12 months gone? And you talked about the next chapter of Parkrun. I'm kind of curious where it goes from here as well. Yeah, look, it's been really interesting. Um, it's, um, it, there's no, no, no question it's been a challenge. Um, I think it, it probably is always a tricky thing to step up from uh, any position in an organization, but to then become the the leader of the organization, it's a bit of a, a shift and a transformation that needs to happen. I'm, I'm incredibly lucky that I've been supported by an amazing team. And that sounds like one of those things that you have to say, right? But, but, but I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the team here is, um, truly amazing and I feel blessed to be a part of it. Um, of course it's not been without its challenges and like any business, um, we've had those. Uh, you know, the challenges of, of coming back after the pandemic, which was um, a pretty significant time for us, a really challenging, difficult time for Parkrun, not unique by any means, but there were times over those couple of years where we really did worry for the future of Parkrun. Um, we really did struggle to get events back, particularly in the UK. And there were times where we wondered whether we ever would. And that has all kinds of knock-on effects and consequences, you know, to morale of the team, to our confidence in, uh, the future, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and challenges from a professional point of view, but obviously like everyone else, you know, myself included in the whole team, we're going through, uh, our own personal response to the pandemic and what that meant. And then coming out the other side and in some ways, uh, taking over from Nick, my predecessor came at a good time because, um, there was a real need and a moment and an opportunity to look to the future. So, um, so thankfully we by February 1st last year, when I formally took over in the role, uh, pretty much we had uh, events back just about everywhere around the world. So we were at that point, much more optimistic about the future, but we had some work to do, some changes to make some, and, and, and some internal stuff really. So restructuring the organization, identifying where we needed to invest in, uh, uh in new heads we've been such a lean organization, such a lean team for so long and and the pandemic had been so draining and exhausting for all of us that, you know, we were desperate to, to invest in the team, to invest in recruitment and to make sure that we had enough uh, resource and enough firepower to manage the organization for where we are now. But 
but also think about how we might start to manage this thing as it grows into the future. And obviously there's a lot of excitement that comes with that as well around, you know, a, a pretty dark chapter behind us, but actually perhaps uh, uh, exacerbated or because of the pandemic, um, more of an opportunity than ever before. In fact, I talk about it as an obligation, you know, something like Park Run, which is um, uh, a facilitator of uh, free and easily accessible physical activity opportunities for just about anyone, you know, at a time when uh, our collective health and well-being is, um, it, it, it is not great uh, and has been made worse by the pandemic. And then you've got economic consequences of the pandemic and uh, cost of living crisis and, and recession, then the importance of, of Park Run is just heightened. And I think I, mm -hmm. I see that and talk about it as an obligation. We've got an obligation to bring Park Run to more people. It's not okay for us to just rest on our laurels and pat ourselves on the back and be happy that we've got 2000 odd events around the world. We need to keep growing because what we, uh, what, what we can facilitate, what Park Run does, what Park Run gives to individuals and communities um, is so good that we need to share that with as many people as possible. So then the question is, well, how do we do that? Um, how do we do that? What, what, um, what does the future look like? How do we make sure we're in control of, and that we're the architects for that future? And how do we prepare, uh, for being twice the size in five years time, which is not necessarily an objective, but that would be an outcome uh, of the strategy if we, if we get everything else right. Um, but that comes with some pretty serious um, decisions to be made around, you know, the, the structure that we have for the organization, how we consider things like volunteer management, We've got a huge volunteer network, the resources that we need, the funding that we need, um, the type of organization and the culture that we want to have in order to, in order to facilitate all of that. And in terms of that structure, the, you know, how important are the the sponsors, uh, you know, the, the funding that you get from, you know, governments and, you know, how does all that come together? And I suppose... A question based on that that future sort of gazing that you're talking about there is can it always be free park room yeah it's interesting um, um in fact just yesterday i, I wrote a, a, a piece uh about that exact question we, we've been doing some work recently looking at as a as a global health charity how we balance the need to increase revenue to fund park run as it exists now but but as we grow into the future with a commitment that it will always be free to access. So, you know, we talk about free for everyone forever. Um, and that's, that's not really a, a, a marketing slogan or anything. It's, it, it's a carved in stone. This is sacrosanct. Park Run will always be free for everyone forever, as much as we can control those things. But the free aspect is really important. It has to be free to access. Otherwise, the, the model just doesn't work. Um, but of course, there are costs. You know, our, our annual budget this year is about nine and a half million pounds for all of our global operations that is uh, more mm -hmm. consolidated. Um, and actually we were, we were discussing recently and it's something I wrote about yesterday. Um, one of the ways in which I've started to, to look at that is to think, um, with about 2000 events around the world, you know, quick maths will deliver something like 112, 114,000 park run events this year. Um, nine and a half million pound budget. So each individual event every week costs 83 pounds, which is extraordinary value when you think about it. You know, if you said, and that's going from a, a an event with 20 people, 20 participants through to, you know, a bushy park run with 1500 yeah. participants, it doesn't matter. It's the same 83 pounds. And if you asked any events, if you asked anyone, you know, what would it take to put on a, an event of potentially the scale of 1500 people with a volunteering infrastructure, timing, scanning, you know, results, provision, websites, registration platforms, digital communications, safeguarding, legal, finance, all of those things, 83 pounds is, uh, is, um, almost laughably small. Um, but of course there's reasons why we've got to, um, such a low overhead and, and part of it is because of the, the empowerment of, of volunteers. So these events are the product of um, uh, local communities, they're delivered by and for local communities and your interaction with your local event would appear very low cost by definition. It has to be, uh, you know, so minimal event, uh, equipment, minimal infrastructure, maximizing the opportunities for volunteers. And we try and keep things as, uh, as simple and replicable as, as possible. I'm not sure we can drive that cost down much lower. I think that's 
and I'm, I'm not sure necessarily that should be the intention, but working from that and the milestone that we hit last weekend was reaching the, a, a total number of 500,000 5k park runs have now been delivered all time. But the next half million, that's taken 18 and a half years. The next half million will probably happen in the next four years. And if you, if you work on the same maths, I think I worked out that's something like 41 and a half million pounds that we'll need to de deliver the next half million mm -hmm. park run events, wherever they are around the world. Um, but that doesn't scare me. That that's, it, it still represents amazing value. I think that would be an incredible achievement if we do it for that. The challenge then is just about, well, how do we raise those funds? Um, and how do we, how do we talk about that as a charity? Because I think for a long time, we've been a little bit embarrassed about talking about money, about the, talking about the need to raise revenue. We don't want to confuse uh, things where people perceive that oh, I've got to donate because I participate. It's not that at all. Um, or I've got to, uh, I don't know, buy something from the, the park run shop because I've had so much for free. That's, that's not what we're saying. But I think we do need to be transparent about the funds required to deliver what we deliver, be proud of the fact that it's incredibly economical and good value, um, but not shy of the fact of saying, you know, we're going to need to raise some serious revenue over the next four years if we're going to sustain it. And to your point about sponsors, I mean, at the minute, we're very fortunate to have a, a range of really engaged, really important, um, really supportive uh, sponsors. Uh, that contribute a really significant amount to our, our, our total revenue. Uh, but we also receive some government funding uh, in some countries. Uh, our retail provision is growing. So we're, we're starting to add more products, more categories to, um, to our online shop. And then we're starting to look at donations as well. So as a, as a charity, why can't we make more of the donations potential that comes with being uh, a charity? But we've got some work to do to really consider how we articulate some of those stories and how we provide transparency in terms of um, the funding that we need, but precisely what it's spent on so that people can feel confident and comfortable that they understand where their donations are being spent. And has that job started now? now is, it, is it a different phase that you think you're going into now compared to where, where Pipeline's been before? Yeah, I think so. I, like, I don't think it's drastically different. I, you know, there's, when I came into the role um, last year, um, it was clear to me that we needed to make some improvements in certain areas, but fundamentally that, um, nothing's broken, you know, the, the, the product, if you like, it's not really the right word for it, but if you, in, in sort of a business sense, the product, the events are, um, clearly, um, uh, in demand, um, and clearly successful. So there's not much that we need to do to, to change that. I talked about the kind of, um, economic, uh, uh, situation, societal situation that we find ourselves in, it's pretty clear to me that demand is going to be as high as it, as it ever has been. Mm. So from that point of view, um, uh, we can take great comfort. Um, really the, the challenge over the first or the last year, sorry, was, um, just trying to understand, um, how we needed to reorganize, reorganize ourselves, restructure ourselves, um, uh, identify where we needed to recruit um, and to work through that recruitment and then to really consider articulating possibly for the first time um, a strategy for the next five years um, so that everyone within the organization and I mean not just the nearly 60 members of staff we've got now globally but the thousands of volunteers um, that are um, an integral part of the uh, of the global operations that everyone buys into this vision and can see quite clearly where we're going and so that they can understand some of the decisions that we're taking to help us get there. And you as a leader, Russ, how that vision that you describe, how do you go about articulating that vision and sharing it with all these people around the world and, uh, you know, and beyond to the, to the volunteers and the participants as well? Do you, do you have a, what, what's your personal style and, and plan to make that happen? I was lucky enough to be in South Africa the other weekend. Um, uh, with the team down there, we've got a, a very small team, but about 200 events across Southern Africa. Uh, and they had a, um, their volunteer get together, a volunteer conference, which we hadn't been able to have for four years. Um, and I gave a, a, a presentation to the group there on the Saturday afternoon, and it was all about the global strategy, where we're going and um, the part that South Africa can play within that, the important part that South Africa can play within it. Um, 
and I was talking to someone afterwards and I was saying that my job for the next five years, I think is basically that presentation over and over and over again, slightly tailored, uh, mm -hmm. to the audience, uh, you know, whoever it is, wherever I am around the world. So I sort of feel like that's, uh, that's the easy bit now, you know, that the hard work perhaps has been done. <laughs> Maybe that's wishful thinking. Um, but to get to that point, um, I, I, I think I'm someone who, um, loves collaboration. Um, so maybe this comes back to a, a sort of a passion for team sports, but I really enjoy working with other people. I'm curious and keen to learn from other people. I want to bring as many people in to help me understand problems and, um, help give me inspiration, um, around, uh, you know, things that I, I don't necessarily understand. I want to surround myself with experts. Um, and then, you know, using that group, Ray group, um, certainly with the development of the strategy. Um, and we took a long time doing this and there's a, I think there was always a, a tendency maybe to try and get it done as quickly as possible. It felt like a pretty fundamental piece of work needed to be done. Um, but actually it took almost a year from start to finish and I'm glad that it did because things changed along the way. Um, and, uh, new things became apparent that perhaps we wouldn't have included in the final strategy paper. Um, if it had been published six months earlier. Um, so that was an important process, really collaborative. Um, I saw it as my job to steer the conversation, um, and facilitate the conversation. And of course I had my own ideas, but um, I, I didn't necessarily have a definitive view at the outset of, of, of where it ended up. I was pretty open, but now, um, the job is about, you know, making sure people understand it, um, uh, and that everyone's got that alignment, um, and that they understand where we're going as an organization and, and how everyone, how we all can contribute to its success. I think, um, without that, I think that the, the challenge is you, you, you risk there being a sort of a disconnect and people, um, not quite grasping how their role necessarily impacts the, you know, the global ambition that we've got and, and mm -hmm. we might be otherwise a little bit rudderless as an organization. But with that, I feel like we've got such a compelling story and it's not just for the team, staff and volunteers, but that's for sponsors too. And it's for, um, the likes of Sport England or the department of health in Ireland or whoever it is that's a potential funder or stakeholder in what we do, you know, local councils and landowners. I think everyone needs to understand that story, that vision, um, of where we're going because, um, we can't just assume that people will tell that story for us. You know, I think that's for us to articulate, you know, we need to be the ones that are saying, don't forget about park run, you know, park run's got an important role to play, uh, in society and in the health and well-being of communities all around the world. Um, it's not all about park run, you know, we, we don't seek to be, uh, the only solution out there. And, um, you know, I think, um, if we can, uh, inspire other sports and other organizations to do something similar and have an impact in a similar way than fantastic. Um, but we need to, we need to lead that charge because, um, no one else is, is going to, but I think we've got so much evidence, both anecdotal and, and scientific now, which, which clearly demonstrates the benefit, um, you know, being, we talk about, um, human beings having an innate need in our view to be, um, active, social, and outdoors, you know, three really important ingredients and, and park run, uh, delivers on all of those. Um, but unfortunately modern life is designing, uh, those aspects out of life, uh, too often. And I think that's a shame. And so, you know, we need to be the ones that are championing that, uh, and making the case for it and, and demonstrating the benefits of it. Um, and if we do that, if we're able to grow, then clearly we'll be able to have a, a much, much bigger impact, uh, for individuals and communities around the world. Do you get frustrated, Russ? Because everything you've said there makes absolute total sense. And uh, active, social, outdoors, love that. And th there is no downside, in, in, in my opinion, to, to what Parkrun does, obviously. Um, and you have this story that you, you're patiently telling to people around the world. Do you get a bit frustrated when people don't get on board as quickly as you think they should? Um, sort of. I, but I guess I would probably turn that back on ourselves and say that's, that's for us to do a better job. One of the things, this was probably more when I was um, head of communications and 
it's often said that to really understand parkrun, you need to go and experience it. So to, if you really want to get what parkrun is, you need to go to your local event. And I understand why people would say that, but actually that's not good enough because there are a multitude of barriers that would prevent someone from taking those first steps to go to their first event. It's not as easy as to say, I'll just head down there at, you know, 10 to nine on a Saturday morning and, and, and you'll understand it. For some, you know, obviously there, there are far fewer barriers, but that's not for everyone. And so then the challenge uh, is that it's, well, it's incumbent on us to try and demystify, debunk those, those myths, to try and help people understand what it's like without necessarily having to experience it firsthand so that they might be more prepared to engage with it and to participate. So I'd sort of turn that back on ourselves. Of course, would I like Parkrun to be in more communities, having more of an impact, more of the time? Absolutely. I think one of my other attributes is that I'm, I'm pretty impatient, sort of learning to be a bit more patient, but I, but I do like to do things um, as, as quickly as possible and, I, and I'm impatient for success and I'm impatient for um, things to happen. But that's on us. You know, I think we need to, we need to make sure that we're telling the best possible story that we're doing everything that we can to promote Parkrun and help people understand what it is, the power of it, and how it can benefit uh, their local communities and individuals. And that's true from, you know, gov national governments, local councils, landowners, individuals, everyone. But, but, uh, but it's, that's our challenge. I don't think we should make, waste too much energy being uh, frustrated that, that some people don't understand it. Out of all those thousands of stories that I'm sure you've heard, Russ, of, of people that have taken part in, in Park Run and, and good has come out of it for their lives, are there any that stick out? Are there any, you know, things that you can remember? Um, you know, you mentioned anecdotes that, that you've kind of come across over the years. Anything that you could share that just sums up the, you know, that, that ability for Park Run to help people uh, grow and, and become better humans? I mean, there's, there's just so many, um, and, and I, and I don't say that glibly it's, uh, uh, you know, I've been so lucky to, um, have been part of this organization for several years now. And, um, and I've written some of those stories in my previous role, um, and I've read an awful lot of them too. And, um, and I'd count myself as being part of them. You know, the, the story that I shared earlier is, um, is a personal one, but it's, but it's, um, absolutely true that, um, I've experienced park run changing my life. Um, my family's life in ways that I never thought it, it would. And, and there are some incredibly moving uh, stories across our channels of, of the ways in which people talk about parkrun, uh, not just improving lives, but saving lives. And I think, you know, that's, that's really quite incredible. But, but the thing that always seems to come through um, uh, is the power of um, community and, and being accepted by a, a community or being found by a community at a time when it was really necessary and perhaps people didn't realize. And I think, um, that's one of the things that I've realized over the years is that, um, and in fact, Paul, the, the founder talks about this as well. It's really not about the run and, and, and probably it never was. Um, you know, Paul established that first event and it was Bushy Park time trial at the time in 2004, really as a means of keeping in touch with his mates. You know, he was in, he was a very good runner. He was injured. He was in a tricky, uh, a time in, in his life, what he really wanted was connection with his friends. Um, and his way of doing that was to create this time trial, put on this event for his mates on the condition that they joined him afterwards for a coffee mm. uh, in the local cafe. That's a story that's incredibly well told and I think well known, but I think that's at the heart of, uh, of what makes Park Run so special or anything like it. The, the run, the five kilometer walk, jog, run, whatever you want to do is really uh, an adjunct. It's, it's, it's not really the thing. The thing is, is the community connection. And I think that's really at the heart of all of those incredible stories that uh, we've shared so many hundreds or thousands of times across our channels over the years. And that's the thing, bringing it to business, which is obviously what this podcast is about as much as running. I think that sense of community and shared experience, if you can capture that in, in the office or business or whatever you do, uh, it can have such a powerful effect on the people, can't it, who are involved? I'm sure you've got that in the park run team as well. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I, I think it's, um, I, purpose is so important, isn't it? You know, I, I see how that is for uh, me and my career and how, you know, I've found so much joy uh, in working for an organization that's got such incredible purpose. Um, 
and I think I'd, I'd probably speak for all of my colleagues when we say that um, uh, that's something that we all uh, understand and feel, and it counts for so much. You know, I've, I've worked uh, in places before where I haven't necessarily had that purpose or I haven't had that belief in uh, what the organisation did or stood for. Um, but I think if you do have that, or if you can create that within an organization, then you've got something incredibly powerful because then you've got something that's more than a job. You've got something that's uniting and it's a binding force. And, 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 and then I think you can really go places. So, uh, you know, we're lucky that we've got that and it's, um, it's not something that I necessarily have to work hard at, at creating and communicating because it's just inherent, just about everyone here experiences park run in their own way but will have their own story around how they fell in love with or how they benefited from or how they get so much enjoyment um, and happiness from from participating in park run um, so i think we all just feel incredibly lucky and privileged uh, to be able to work for organization uh, that, that that's doing that where do you get your leadership inspiration from russ who who inspires you lots of people i'm i'm really curious um and i'm a bit of a a student of, of business and, and leadership and self-improvement and, and always have been. So I'm always, you know, got my nose in the next, you know, leadership book or, you, you know, um, self-improvement book yeah. or, you know, and, and, and trying to build a bit of a network of, of peers, um, which is something I've always done. Actually, I've always been pretty good at keeping in touch with people from, you know, previous employment or, you know, friends who have got very different, um, uh, similar jobs, but maybe across very different sectors, uh, and businesses. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the inspiration or the, um, or the advice and help that I get is, is incredibly varied, um, uh, and could come from, uh, any number of different places. But, um, you know, I'm lucky I've got a, an, an incredibly good and close group of friends from, uh, from school, we're, we're still in touch. We don't see each other as much as we'd like to, but um, within that group, um, uh, we're we're quite diverse in terms of the number of different organisations and sectors that we work in. Um, uh, but I get a lot of um, value and insight and and help and inspiration from from all of them, as well as many others uh, from within the organisation and um, uh, and the wider network too. As our race director in Wilmslow tells me. Um Every week, it, it's um, it, it's a run, not a race. But some people do get competitive, and I was lucky enough to get um, Andy Badley on the podcast last year and talk a little bit about his uh, his record park run from uh, twenty twelve. Yeah. Do, do you think that time thirteen minutes forty eight seconds will ever ever be broken? Because people are getting closer to it, aren't they? They are. Yeah, I, I think it would. Be, I'm sure it will go at some point. Um, I think there are. Uh, I think there are a couple of um, individuals with their eye on it. I, I think it's probably just mm -hmm. got to uh, line up in terms of training schedules and competitions and everything else. Um, but it's pretty long-standing now, isn't it? It was 2012, wasn't it, that uh, Andy did that? So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's there to be uh, it's there to be shot at. I'm sure, it will go at some point. Russ, running aside, uh, is there a business tool, an app, something you couldn't do without in 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 leading uh, the park run team? I don't know that there's a, a business tool or an app. I'm, I'm a bit of a, I feel like from a sort of productivity point of view, I'm a, I'm, I'm one of these that I'm, I'm always trying something else that, you know, trying to find the Holy grail of what's the thing that, that helps me get through the, the to-do list and manage time and everything else. One, one, um, one thing that I, I stumbled across recently was this concept of time boxing. I don't think it's new at all, but it was relatively new for me. Uh, and I've started to implement that a bit recently and it's this, um, uh, this idea that, you know, a, a, a to-do list is, is, is kind of flawed because you're really just writing a long list of, of things that you need to get done, obviously by de definition, but you're never really giving yourself the time to get it done. Uh, and so the, the time boxing thing of actually putting in your calendar, um, everything that you need to do. So from a work point of view and, and home life and personal stuff as well, um, but giving it the, at the time that it needs and. I feel like there's, um, I don't think I've mastered it yet, but I feel like there's, um, a lot of logic and sense in that, um, mm. you know, there's a, there is a limit uh, to what we can get done. There are uh, only so many hours in the day. Um, and I think as a, as a, a global health charity, one of the things that I talk to the team a lot about, are, you know, we, we need to, um, 
we need to be careful and mindful about how we work. You know, there's, of course, there's always more work to be done, but we need to look after ourselves too. Um, and, um, I'm not very good at following my own advice. So uh, I'll be the first to admit that that's something I need to improve on. But, um, I do think there's a bit of sense in the time boxing idea. Okay. And, and business aside, uh, what's your favorite bit of running kit or accessory that you can't do without? Well, since Brooks are our um, global uh, partner, I'm going to have to give a massive shout out to Brooks. Fair play. But it's um, totally sincere as well. I do absolutely love their kit, um, you know, from the shoes and, and everything else. So, uh, uh, you know, they're a, not just, a, you know, an incredible uh, running shoe and apparel brand, but they're a, a wonderful business too, um, full of incredible people and wonderfully supportive. Um, so... So yes, anything that Brooks uh, manufacture, uh, I would wholeheartedly recommend. Great stuff, great stuff. We, we usually finish the podcast with a question around giving advice to anybody listening to this who's in a business or a leadership role considering getting more active and taking up running. I kind of want to reframe it slightly for you and and finish on a sort of a, a part run related question around anybody listening to this who maybe hasn't been involved in Park Run, who, who wants to do more, who wants to get involved, maybe somebody who does do it, who wants to volunteer. You know, can you kind of sum up, um, maybe it's in that presentation that you mentioned uh, and the, the power of that purpose. Can you bring it together to, to give us a sense of what people could do uh, now, next week, the week after to help you achieve your goals, but to help them improve their, their lives as well? Just be curious. Uh, I think, um, and it's a, uh, it, it, it's a, I don't know if it's a value, it's a, it's a quality that, that I've had, uh, uh, all my life. I've been um, lucky that I've always uh, found interest in and fascination in all sorts of different things. Um, but I think that applies to park run too. So I think if anyone is, uh, uh, interested in, uh, taking part for the first time or getting involved a little bit more deeply, um, be curious and, uh, see if you can find, uh, your local event, um, and the website parkrun.com or it will, it will take you there. See if you can get in touch with the local team. The, the beautiful thing about Parkrun is that each event is, as I said, of and for the local community. Um, and uh, the event team will be really warmly welcoming of anyone that's coming along for the first time or wanting to get involved as a volunteer. Um, we like to say that the volunteer roster is never full. Um, and that's a good thing because that means there's always opportunities for people to volunteer. Um, so even if it looks on paper, like actually the, the volunteer roster, uh, is full and that you don't need any more volunteers for the weekend, you can still put your hand up and, um, uh, and, and ask to be involved, uh, in whatever, uh, capacity that might be. Or if you're not quite prepared to do that, just maybe go along and have a look, you know, you, it, it all the, uh, partner events take place in, um, areas of open space, public open space. You're more than welcome just to go along and uh, maybe just have a, a, a little watch from the distance um, and, um, and see what you make of it all. But there's no substitute for uh, just going along and, um, you know, having a walk, uh, you know, trying to jog, whatever works for you, uh, volunteering. Um, and hopefully you'll have the uh, incredible experience that so many others do every week. Russ, I'd like to wish you all the best with the with that next phase of Park Run and all the the ambitions and the challenges that you mentioned that you've got coming up. I'm sure you've you've got it covered with the team that you have. It is a fantastic thing and a fantastic initiative. As I said at the start, thank you for bringing it and all the best with everything that you've got coming up. Thanks, Anne. Really appreciate it. Thanks to Russ Jeffries for his time on Run the Business this week. And you've probably guessed through that conversation that I'm a huge fan of Park Run and the work that Russ, his team and the extended family of supporters and volunteers do. The mantra of outdoor, active and social is something that can make all our lives better. And picking up on that last one, social and the community side of Park Run is how I want to finish this week. Russ talked about the community being at the centre of what Park Run stands for. And I'd argue that if you're a leader in business these days, then creating a community in your organisation is more important than it's ever been. Things like vision, mission, values, they've been talked about for many years and are important. But I think more than ever, people are looking for that genuine sense of belonging in the workplace, that shared sense of energy and purpose, which is easy to talk about, but much harder to put into practice. 
it's a fact that as humans, we thrive with community and we thrive on interaction. And I'd say it's also hard to place a value on the power of a strong community with a shared purpose that people genuinely believe in. As business leaders, you also need community, a strong professional network that can give you the tools, the confidence to step up and face any business challenge that comes your way. Last year, Forbes.com talked about the importance of community from the perspective of a business owner and highlighted three benefits. Uh, The first one was community breeding, collaboration and growth, uh, feedback that elevates the entire project. Uh, Whether you're having a hard time finding the right words or you simply can't put your finger on something that's missing, having a fresh set of eyes on your work is almost always bound to improve it. The second point was about community helping keep you accountable. They even passed it back to running on this one and said, there's a reason that running clubs and group chats exist. Holding others accountable and being held accountable by others is easier than holding yourself accountable. And the third point was, you'll have a haven when things get hard. Things happen, stuff happens. When when it does, you want a safe place to go back to. And whether you're doubtful about a prospect's red flags or concerned about a problem with a client, your community is the perfect spot to drop a message and get valuable real-time feedback from others who've likely faced the same situations before. So that's it for this week. Maybe have a think about how you'd rate your community at work or how strong your community in your peer group or in your network is. If you had a big problem that you were grappling with right now, who would you call to share it with? Have a think about that one. If you're enjoying Run the Business, then please follow, share and comment as it really helps grow the show. I want to say thanks to Anna Harding and Chris Kelly for producing and thanks to all those who've reached out on LinkedIn with positive feedback, any feedback, in fact, and suggestions for future episodes. It really does make a difference. I'm Anthony Gay, and until next time, keep running and keep chasing your goals. Hold up. 